Hey guys, welcome to the Card Life Podcast. I'm here with my card wife, Katie. Hey guys. And I'm here with two wonderful guests today. For those of you that joined the first week's podcast, thank you for coming back and checking out the second episode. For those of you that haven't, you can go check it out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And now I'd like to introduce you to both of our guests, a longtime friend of mine, Tyler. Thank you for coming on to the show today. Yep. Thank you for having me. So what's some of your background in sports cards? I want to get to that real quick. So I've been a collector now for probably 15 years. Um, I'm very heavily Michigan Wolverines, um, just growing up in Michigan. But I, um, I kind of collect everything from like Fortnite, Pokemon, Formula One, um, and as well as miscellaneous other sports as well. Awesome. Yeah, and that follows right into our second guest here, Jay, also known as Studio Underscore Collector on Instagram. Jay, thank you for joining us today. You want to give us a little bit of your background information? Yep. Uh, sure. Thanks, Todd. Uh, thanks for uh, welcoming me uh, to this podcast. Uh, my IG handle is Studio Underscore Collector. Um, that's because I actually I'm a collector of the product uh, called Studio. Uh, 2016. 17 panini studio basketball so i'm actually collecting the whole product right now i have been uh i collect a little bit of pokemon uh not so much anymore but i i also do Yu-Gi-Oh. um and i'm a big collector on star wars now uh california born and raised in in korea but i i was mostly uh uh raised in la area it's awesome. And so, yeah, and that, that kind of follows into why I have both of you guys on. So both your backgrounds, very heavy and kind of the alternative collection, collecting lifestyle. And whenever I was sitting, thinking about like who I wanted to have on, both of you guys have great traits that I think, you know, kind of, uh, fall in line with the others uh you know with the pokemon background and uh the f1 background that tyler you have jay you heavy in star wars and you have some Yu-Gi-Oh background i think that there's a lot of discussion that we can have because not a lot of people know about the alternative aspects mm-hmm. of collecting some people just go straight into basketball uh football obviously quite a bit of people kind of grow up on Yu-Gi-Oh depending or you, you know Yu-Gi-Oh or Pokemon depending but there's so many so much out there that people don't know about and i'm happy you guys could join me for a discussion and i wanted to start out uh, with just talking about some of your individual favorite alternative uh, collections as far as like, I know Tyler, you're doing F1. What are you thinking going into, you know, this next year, the second set of product with F1? And what are some of your favorite alternative things to collect these days? Um, so I'll start with like how I'm thinking with next series is I look at it as a collecting base. Like I'm a collector through and through. I'm not worried about the value, but I look at it as you get more drivers to collect, new rookies to collect, more colors, because the print run and all that is going to be increased substantially now that they're going to bring in retail. Right. Um, yeah. My favorite, actually, alternatives is actually video games. Out of everything, um, I think video games connects us all. And like, I grew up being a video gamer my probably my whole life. So like, I've been trying to like get nostalgic traits of like games I used to play like it doesn't seem that long ago but Wii Sports, Mario Kart Wii, um just Game Boy games, all those like I've been trying to buy and I'm have an order in with Wada just grading them just cuz like I think they're cool. I think they'll be a cool uh thing to display and just it's a conversational piece of like games that I grew up on as as I like my early childhood, teens, stuff like that. 
Perfect. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you hit it right on right on the head. The, um, you know, game video games, such a wide audience, people yeah. coming from, you know, all sorts of ages. It's a it's a huge demographic. And seeing, you know, like I know you're grading the video games and stuff with WADA, the people like these alternative investments are such a great uh, investment opportunity for those that want to really jump ahead because like when you see a lot of things like basketball and stuff there's kind of that storyline you know jay as you know with collecting uh basketball quite a bit like there's there's kind of these storylines with players where even when you get in early they're still really pricey there's a lot of video games out there that you could pick up still really cheap grade them like it's not something that everybody knows about and those are the things that you see huge gains in in the market and if you're kind of paying attention the thing right now that everyone's uh that's driving the hobby quite a bit is a lot of these alternative investments video games are starting to get popular the star wars sets that are coming out vintage star wars vintage uh you know even some of the old vintage stickers and stuff are really going so jason i'd like to get some of your thoughts on some of your favorite alternative inv investments and collecting items right now uh yeah i think uh i can share two parts uh, as an investment point and also from a collector point. Uh, from the investment point, I really like uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Because um, I used to play Yu-Gi-Oh! game with my little brother when I was younger. And, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, so it's kind of like a nostalgia factor into it. Uh, so for, you know, everyone's familiar with Pokemon, right? So Pokemon, to me, was always kind of a collection item. Uh, not really for, you know, gaming because I prefer to play the game on my Nintendo 64 instead of the actual card game. Um, but for Yu-Gi-Oh, it made a total sense in playing the actual card game because the strategy, the strategy was a, just a bit more interesting for me to actually play it. So I used to play a lot with my brother. I, I used to fight a lot over the game because it got really intense. It gets really competitive. Um, that's because the game act itself is actually very developed. It's really mature. Um, I, I enjoy it a lot more than Pokemon. So coincidence is uh, that seems to be the case today as well. Um, so, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! collectors, they behave uh, very differently from Pokemon collectors. Uh, mostly for more modern cards that are post-2010, the they don't value the graded slabs as much as they, they do for Pokemon. So, for example, uh, I saw a, a raw card sell for $400. The very next day, the same card, the same exact card, uh, on a PSA 10 slab will sell for $600. And like I, not, a hard, not a big yeah, multiplier for a PSA 10. Not at all. Right. Not at all. And, and I thought that was a, a coincidence, maybe just a one-off. Mm. But I've seen it happen over and over and over again. Um, so I thought, what is going on? So I, I, I decided to dive in and uh, talk to the community and see what they're actually into. So what I found out was that unlike the Pokemon collectors, Yu-Gi-Oh! collectors are very heavily uh, invested into the game. So they would actually prefer to play the game with the cards they have. Wow. So if it's, if it's slapped in a, yeah, if it's slapped <laughs> in a PSA, BGS, they can't play it. It's so true. Yeah. they would rather have they they would rather crack it open and uh, play it in the game. Which, that's actually which was, yeah. That's like, that's actually really interesting information because like I never really thought about it like that. Like you you are right. Like I feel like Yu Gi Oh does have more of a like play the game type of audience, whereas Pokemon has kind of gravitated more to like a look and see type of thing. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people like to just stuff them in their binders and check them out. And and I think Pokemon has drawn that crowd. Um, and Tyler, you can maybe tell me if i'm wrong but pokemon's kind of 
driven that crowd of like people that want to grab the packs and then immediately grade all the good ones and of course mm -hmm. pokemon to me like i don't know a ton about Yu-Gi-Oh, but pokemon like i'm interested in both of your thoughts as people who i feel like are a little bit more into the tcg space than i like are you guys worried about like obviously pokemon was driven by the fact everyone did play the card game when it started and so finding those rare copies in great condition is so rare which is why it fetches heavy prices now with limited releases with only maybe two chasers every set are you worried about burnout are you worried about value like where do you see them heading in the future uh, i mean if you don't mind me going first i think uh i think we're at a better place uh because the prices have gone down a lot on the modern cars for pokemon so actually it's better for for collectors like myself to actually pick up something that i really like uh from the products that just came out um like the you know celebration boxes a lot of the prices have gone down uh vivid voltage boxes a lot of the prices have gone down by like 70 80% compared to last year so for me uh to pick up a rainbow pikachu that was like 1000 bucks last year if i can pick it up for 300 dollars today i I'm very happy for that. Um, I think it's good for the community. Uh, I don't know where the price will go, whether it'll keep shooting down or uh, maintain or go up at some point. I I'm not sure, but uh, I just like where we are right now, uh, much better than last year. I, I got into Pokemon a little too late. Um, in 2000, early 2000, I got in thinking that, oh, great, I want to get into Pokemon again, but I was priced out immediately. I feel that. Yeah. Tyler, do you have any thoughts on, on where you see both, you know, those TCGs going with those limited releases and everything? I mean, I think any sort of limited release, release is great. But I, I do have to agree that I'm glad prices are down because, like, I'm a set collector myself with Pokemon. So, like, I can now pick up the set cards for much cheaper than I would a year ago, just about. Um, it Hey Todd, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, what do you mean by limited series? Like which product? Like limited releases. Like I'm just saying, like as far as there's not so many every year. You know, like you're only seeing if in Pokemon, what you're releasing maybe two to three max. I feel like mm -hmm. you're doing more than that. Oh yeah. Um, I think I'm trying to think this year: Chilling Rain, Evolving Skies, Fusion Strike. That's three. Celebrations, uh, Battle Styles. That's five. And I think there was one more in the beginning of the year. Shining Fates. I love how yes, he's Shining turned Fates. around to look at yep. his collection behind him. <laughs> yeah, I, I see Shining Fates. <laughs> yeah, yep, Jay, Shining Jay Fates. is doing all the research. It's right behind him currently. <laughs> yeah. So I. So how many? So are, are all of those sets like people? Like they are like sets that people are actually going out and getting, or are those any? Are there any sets that are kind of more like? Uh, like it might be a silly question, but like, are any of those sets kind of more focused for people that play the game, or are they all things that like collectors and people that play kind of go after? I'll take this one. Um, I think it's a bit of both. They Pokemon tends to include packs from all all the different um, series. So like Battle Styles is honestly really not that good of a set, and that was released in March. But they have a couple Chaser cards, like is the alternate art uh, Sleeping Tyranitar, but they just get included just as like kind of filler packs. Um, but yeah, see, I so think... I think, I think like my point kind of that I'm thinking of when I look at it. So like 
so say you have six releases a year in Pokemon, and each of those release like okay, so there so the price of a box you know kind of varies, but I know that like typically when you do get those boxes, everyone's really only searching for maybe one to two cards. Like I know that there's other good cards that you can get, but there's really those like one to two cards that people are like, I need to get this. And whereas in like sports, obviously there are a ton that you can get a, a, a one of one that saves your box of somebody, you know, that's kind of meh and all these different things that will help save you. But in Pokemon, it's like you really only have two things that you're looking for and not every box by any means have it. So you're really only seeing like what, max like 12 or 13 new cards on the market every year that are cards that people have been chasing over the past year in pokemon compared to sports cards where you can go through a week's release and have a thousand which to me is such a huge discrepancy i know we're kind of comparing apples to oranges but i feel like the tcg is such a like people are talking about tcg exploding and like the value there but i feel like the market is going to get like it's there's going to be too much of these 12 cards out there that i'm worried about how the value long term is going to hold for some of these newer products especially when people take them out of packs and they put them straight into a sleeve and ship it off straight to psa and you know half of them are going to tin and then your market is oversaturated oh i see what you're saying yep so there yeah you're you're i think you i agree with you that these chase cards are easier to pull compared to like a one of one uh, Lamella Ball from Prism, uh, like there is nothing like that in in the current TCG products right now. So as long as you open a bunch of boxes, you'll most likely complete your set at some point. I think that's Just, where you're getting to. Oh, yeah. absolutely, and which is yep. fantastic for collectors. You know, for mm -hmm. collectors, that's awesome, and and I think that that's a great thing for that side of the hobby but i also do want to at least reference a little bit of like investment thing investing into it like so i just feel like maybe when we get to like 2030 if if everything stays the same which you know who knows what will happen but um if if everything stays the same until like say 2035 you're going to have this gap probably from like 2010 to to then 2035 so 25 years of where everyone is like packing the good cards and sending them off at least in majority so then like what do you have to show that's going to be really super valuable for those 25 years like it's going to it's going to do wonders for yeah. the vintage yeah yeah the vintage is always so because of be this there. i agree with you so because of this recently my strategy has been going for the pristine tens okay because that right. limits your popularity significantly compared to the PSA 10s. So you're talking submitting to Beckett and going through their service. Beckett, or I really like CGC. Okay. I love their holders. Uh, their label okay. is not as good as PSA 10, in, in my opinion. Right. But I really love their holders. So either CGC or BGS. Uh, pristine 10s. I mean, black label is just out of the question. It's too expensive. Okay. Um, but if I can find pristine copies, I try mm -hmm. to grab them. And... In my opinion, I um, I I go for the Japanese ones too. Okay, yeah, that's great. Cause yeah, there it, does every release have a have both versions, yes. like a Japanese. And, that's awesome. So that so that gives you a little bit more to kind of like look for. Um, but yeah, I think like I think that it's going to be interesting um, to see where both like all TCGs. I feel like kind of follow a similar format at least in some way. Um, I know that they're they differ in their own ways and i've picked up a little Yu-Gi-Oh and pokemon and i'm not the most you know i'm not the best person to talk about which is why i have you guys on to kind of help enlighten me on some of it um but i i'm interested to see what steps like they take maybe to kind of help with the overpopulation of some of like the the hot cards if they maybe you know they print so much i don't think they could ever go with like a serial number format that would be viable 
uh, and it would kind of make I feel like people feel like it's too much of a collect type of thing, and a lot of people, like you said, want to play Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on how they may change that? Are you guys happy with the current format, or what, how do you guys feel about that? Yeah, let's go. I really like the current format. Um, personally, like the big chase cards are your alternate arts, um, your secret rares, stuff like that. So I think those, if they could continuously bring those in every release, it'll be fine. You give it a couple chase cards, you have all your fillers, no problem at all. Um, I did also notice Magic Gathering is bringing in a numbered card. Magic Gathering is typically, I know, a game that's heavily, you play it, and so that I'm going to be interested in how that plays out and the prices that fetches because I don't I don't know exactly the card. But I remember seeing it a couple days ago that someone was sharing that they got a Magic Gathering numbered card. So that's um, interesting. And go ahead, Kitty. Oh, what's what's the difference between a chaser and a filler card? Like the filler cards, I think of energies. Oh, commons, okay, yeah, they're just basics. Okay, beginner here. Yeah. Which I think like uh, is kind of steps into like what I want to talk about next. And I know that um, Jay, you alluded to me that you're not too familiar with MetaZoo, and I'm not sure how familiar you are, Tyler, at all with it. And while I'm not the most familiar, I feel like it has a spot in the segment um, from more of a future perspective. Because as we talk about um, TCGs currently, um, MetaZoo is wanting to break the boundaries of like you know making your environment and everything be a part of the game and all of that. And I'm interested to see with what they're you know, what they're really all about once people start actually getting into playing the game. Um, one For those of you that don't know about MetaZoo that may be watching the podcast, MetaZoo is a new TCG that's coming out. Um, Tops actually is, has just kind of gotten on board. Uh, I don't think they, you know, own the MetaZoo product or anything, but they're working with them, distributing Tops content. Um, it's going to be going to store shelves, you know, Walmart's targets and things like that, from what I hear. Um, I'm hearing that they may be, you know, kind of as we were discussing before, serial number format. I've heard something about MetaZoo may be dispensing uh, serial numbers into their products, uh, which will be completely, you know, interesting to see from like a, a gameplay perspective. Um, but I'm just curious, you know, with, with maybe both of your limited knowledge, how does MetaZoo fit when you really kind of have to capture that child audience to really see the game grow uh, in popularity long term, or where do you see MetaZoo going, or your thoughts on it currently? I'll take this one first. Um, I almost have a whole complete set of MetaZoo because I learned about it more right before the national. Like I seen kind of influencers in the Pokemon community starting to talk about it, so I seen it as a quick buck to make because at the national they were giving out free first edition booster packs. I'm like, I'll grab free packs, promos, flip them on eBay, make me some extra money, help spend at the card show as i've noticed with the release you have they have influencers talking about it like steve aoki who's kind of growing in specifically tcg i would say i think that's so um, funny <laughs> and there's been a couple other kind of influencer type people that are talking about metazoo so i don't necessarily see the growth as being a natural growth that has happened the last 25 years with pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh or Digimon, any of them. So I, I think it's almost like a pump. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I do have almost a set on my end in case 20 years down the road, it's the next big thing. Right. Um, they've had sample cards, which the, the samples do have a specific print run. I'm not sure offhand, 
those have been fetching for very good money. They're the artist signatures and I think just special commemorative cards. Those will fetch for very good money, but I don't ever hear of anyone playing the game or yeah. really caring about it aside from the investment side of it. Right, absolutely. Jay, do you have anything on that subject? Not really. Uh, I haven't really heard much about it, but I think it's really dependent on the company's effort to bring in, how, how would they bring in the kids into this? Like, right. how do they get kids interested? Would they be interested? I think those are the big questions for the company. And absolutely. And I think that that's like great to hear, you know, you say and, and Tyler, what Tyler alluded to, you know, you may not know a lot about it, but you know what it means to bring a TCG to the forefront of the hobby. Um, not only for, you know, us, uh, adults but for kids you know especially mm -hmm. these tcgs need a kid following and i think that that's been my biggest concern with metazoo is uh you know you see a lot of exactly as tyler said like a natural growth it's not like you know the kids are playing the game and it's kind of catching on um i don't think the characters are necessarily so like some of them are cool but i don't know if i'd say they're like appealing necessarily like you really kind of vibe with those types of characters necessarily like you do with like the you know uh, cute and cuddly jigglypuff type of thing you know that that some people you know everyone has their own little styles um so I, I think exactly what tyler said you know i think that we're seeing a ton of people jumping on it because they have stock in it and uh i think it's just another one of those situations currently at least of some people have some very nice metazoo cards and they talk a lot about metazoo and whether that's a coincidence can be up to the viewer but I think that we need to kind of watch who we need to be careful and watch who are the people that are really talking highly of MetaZoo. Do they have MetaZoo cards? Do they enjoy the game? Do they even play the game? Do they like the cards or do they just have a bunch of really nice MetaZoo cards that they don't want to lose out tons and tons of money on? I have a little bit myself. Like I have like, I think I bought a couple of packs at a show, cheap packs. I bought uh, a first, like the first celebration, their first anniversary hollow. Uh, just like a couple of things I thought looked cool, visually appealing, just stash them and see what happens. I'm not going to do a ton in it, but I feel like it's interesting to see what happens going forward because I think that what we're going to hear in the next several, probably maybe even up to a, a year, is a lot of talk about how MetaZoo, you know, they're really involved in social and everything, how they're trying to bring to change the the uh, the way TCGs are viewed, uh, and I think we're all going to be along for the ride on that. Um, and so to get away from the TCG discussion, I'm going to jump into another topic, uh, and I'm not sure how long we'll spend on it, but I do want to talk about movies and music and the hobby uh, as another form of alternative uh, collecting. We talked about it a little bit last week briefly, and I kind of wanted to bring it up again in a little bit more in depth. Uh, I think that we are seeing quite a bit of an opportunity for you know movies and music to really make waves in the next couple of years. Um, my thoughts for you boys are that Tops and Panini are going to be losing their license on sports. I'm Tops already seems like they're trying to get, you know, with MetaZoo and see how they can build that, really get a TCG under their wings, see if that can grow. Do you guys see Tops or Panini digging into the music industry and into movies and putting out more cards, which would be one of the first times that we've really maybe potentially seen them working hand in hand on full releases or something? Or something as uh, as. Pops already has some license for TV shows and stuff like Game of Thrones. They have license on Star Wars. Yes. I don't know about Panini. 
Yeah, Tops has the Star Wars license, which Tops has some fantastic Star Wars cards, as obviously you would know you have some of the nicest Star Wars cards that I've seen from uh, this current release of the Chrome. You know, I've tried to grab some, but you've been grabbing like supers and everything. Um, but I think like Game of Thrones, getting music artists kind of on uh, to sign plenty of autographs, put them into maybe their own type of pop culture um, product, like how Leaf does. Yep. Where are I you thinking that may go? I don't. I'm not really into those, so I have no clue. I I don't know the market. I don't know who actually collects them. I don't know who buys them. I just know, you know, I my local car shop here is uh, Bullpen LA, and when I go on their IG live, uh, people sometimes rip those. Okay. Uh, and I just yesterday they ripped like one of one of Amelia Clark and some other gal. Oh yeah. Uh, I forget who the second is. I know who owns yeah. that though. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah, it was like a dual autograph. Yeah, it was like a big deal. Yeah, we collect right. some Game of Thrones. Yeah, we have some Game do? of Thrones. Yeah, mm-hmm. we oh, so nice. Game of Thrones has an auto set. Uh, it's not from like Tops or Panini. They don't have the the card license for those. Mm-hmm. Um, but another company does, and I'm kind of blanking offhand on who it is. Um, but Rittenhouse. Yeah, Rittenhouse. Yeah, it is those Rittenhouse okay. ones, and they started uh, in 2012. Go the ahead, characters Kim. have inscriptions from the show too, so it's just really unique. Right. Really cool. And, and I'm not sure, like, different. right, and I'm not sure, and they're pretty limited print on on the autos and everything, and I'm not sure, like, how, you know, you may not be into movies or, uh, you know, like, specific music, but um, I think, like, the the general bring to it, and, and Tyler, do, uh, do you watch a lot of movies, Tyler? I don't, honestly. <laughs> listen to some good music? <laughs> I, Everyone listens to music. I got my Spotify um, statistics. Seventeen percent of my total year, I was it at one thousand six hundred sixty-five hours alone was spent with listening to music. Wow! I listen. I listen to a lot of music. Right. Um. So I would personally love to see more music cards. Um. I have kind of gone after some cards. Um. I just post on my Instagram like I have an Eddie Vedder singer Pearl Jam, his first pitch card. Um. Just saw that. In the 90s, there was 1991 Rat Pack Premier card. So they've got Ice Cube, Easy E, like the whole NWA group. Like those cards go for not a <laughs> lot, cool. but yeah. I think they're cool. And that to me is what I'd love to see more of. I've tried to get in talks with Brian Gray just to see, hey, try to how can you get like more people? Or more artists signing. Like I would love to get an Eminem card. Yeah. Um, any more rappers? Like mm-hmm. we all know about Jay Z recently, but right. And I think that there's like so so Jay. Let me kind of give you my thoughts on why you know because I know you're kind of a little confused on maybe what the bring may be for music and TV. Uh, I think that like when I think about it, uh, just kind of you know this is the point of alternative investments things that you may not be familiar with um, this is a great opportunity and and just alternative collecting too for things that you like I'll go to a card show and I'll pick up stuff I don't even know about and kind of you know it just is neat to me I, that's just the type of person I am but when I think about like movies and music I think about the amount of people that that specific thing that I'm looking at has really influenced and I think about how it is for athletes you know so like Tom Brady uh, like I think about Tom Brady or I think about LeBron James or Michael Jordan. And I think about like the top actors and actresses and some of the films that they've been in uh, some of the top music artists that really changed the way, you know, 
NWA in the nineties or, you know, Taylor Swift as Katie would probably want me to say right now, uh, all of these people that have really been a benchmark for their generations, how many people have really been influenced by those people and how many of those people would want something of them, an autograph, a relic, maybe even a card. And obviously, you know, you can do numberings kind of like sports cards. While I don't think that there's the volume of obviously many, many, many releases, because I don't know how many cards you would need to have autos. And I know that actors and actresses and, you know, musicians are a little bit harder and the rights would have to be individually sought after. They're not under one association uh, like the NFL or NBA, things like that. Um, So I don't know how the product dispersion would work. But when you think about like some of your favorite artists and some of your favorite uh, movies that you've seen, just incorporating them into cardboard, I feel like there's a big market for that. (laughs) Yeah, like I think when you really put that like into, you know, game use, you know, there's movie relics out there of people that actually wore these during the movies. If it's your favorite movie, you think that's super dope. So kind of interest, I'm kind of interested in like your thoughts on do you think that's a vi- like do you see the similarities or where do you think that may fall apart at Jay? I'm not sure. Uh but I think the problem uh to solve here would be how do we get people who who is used to sign posters? Uh how do we make them jump over to the cardboard side? Because I I know this guy um the cards, yeah, cards, collectible cards. Collectible, yeah. Yes, because um, I, I know this guy here in LA who who used to go out and get signings from celebrities, uh, make them uh, have them sign the posters, and he would sell sell them on the secondary market. I know that's very that's a very big thing for followers of musicians. So I think the problem is like how do we get them interested in cards and relics and stuff? So do you think that the do you think that the disconnect between like, you know, cards and, and what you're discussing is the fact that those people haven't really had the card avenue to really go down with those people? Like we see some people who've been a musician for 10 years and uh, like, like let's, uh, let's perfect example. Let's use Kendrick Lamar just because I'm familiar with him. Uh, and I believe Tyler's familiar with him as well. Cause I think you're the one that I actually saw you post this a while back and I could be wrong. Um, he has been a musician for quite a while. And he has a rookie card. His rookie card that people associate with is a first pitch card. And I believe 20, which alludes to Tyler talking about his first pitch card, but it's like a 2015, 60. I could be a little off on the year, but he's been a musician for so long. He hasn't had a card until now. And, you know, after he's already won Grammys and all these things. So like, I totally get where you're coming from. Like, obviously the autograph, like people are so used to the standard autograph posters. Like I have logic autograph posters Mm -hmm. outside that wall right there. Uh, or outside that door uh, behind me and you there's no logic cards and as a music you know as a card collector I could say I'm biased and say I would pick up cards of him but as a fan like I know I've had conversations with people as a collector myself to some of my friends that aren't that I you know I collect cards and some of them would be like oh do you have like do they have like this type of person and they'll name like their favorite musician or you know think some of their favorite actors and actresses and I kind of have to explain, like, there's not a lot of that out there. So I feel like it's kind of not necessarily a how do we bring people in. I think just the products getting made will put a lot of new eyes out there. And it's kind of more of a how do we get these people to know it exists is where I think the question really becomes. Because I think the market is there because um, several of these celebrities have way more followers than some of our favorite athletes and some of the best athletes in the game. So I think you could really see an uptick. 
I think you need to get these people to figure out that it exists because the market is really, you know, you can really condense cards into a, a smaller space. Uh, posters on a wall fills up really quick and some people like to kind of have a more clean uh, look but when you can pull out a box of cards of your favorite stuff it's kind of just like you know you have a poster of michael jordan behind you but, but you have a lot of cards in your collection as well because it kind of does both for you i think you really see that uh, as a potential going forward like if these start getting made you'll see people transition into both i can see that happening yeah it's an alternative form of collectibles so why not i think it's just a matter of how would how would these celebrities and uh, influencers market their products out there? And if it's effective, I, I yeah, I agree with you. I think they would be all for it. All the that, fans, it, teenager fans, and <laughs> right, yeah, and yeah. and yeah, of course, yeah. Like if if yeah, you know, if Bieber stuff. If I know Bieber had Bieber did have a set of cards that you know did sell very well uh, back in the day, which I guess kind of actually influenced influenced my point. The only reason I bring that up is I bought. A Bieber first print rookie card at the card show I was just at. I posted it on my story yesterday if anybody saw that. But, um, but yeah, I like, it, yeah. yeah, I think that there's like, th this is what I love about doing the podcast format and not necessarily just talking about investment stuff is you get to sit down. Like, I was so happy when you mentioned to me yesterday when we were talking about the show that you don't really understand the music and the movie part because that's great conversation for us to have for me to pick your brain about why you think. Uh, or where like your troubles lie with it. And for me to kind of explain my thought process and us to kind of, you know, it's a great dialogue, not only for us to discuss, but for the community who may be battling kind of with those thoughts themselves and for it to, for them to kind of hear it get laid out, I think is important for the, like the progress of, uh, especially alternative collecting. Cause a lot of people don't even know about some of these opportunities out there. Uh, and I'm excited to see kind of in the next five years, I think, one of the positive things that I can see coming out of the transition in 2026 uh, is that Tops and Panini, I think, are going to take more liberties to put content that isn't sports cards on the market, uh, whether you like it or not. And I think that the community is going to have a strong reaction. I think it'll be like F1, because as with F1 and as with Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon and soccer, you know, celebrities are an international market. Um and we, what we've seen recently with international markets is that these markets are booming with, you know, European buyers and everything. And we're going to have to, you know, they do shows overseas and all these. So they get so many more fans that are interested. It's going to be, you know, interesting to see what happens in the next couple of years. Tyler, do you have anything to add before we move on to the next subject? I would really just, I, I believe music is something that connects us all. Like we all have different tastes in music. But it's something I would say the general population does listen to. Um, I would love to see more music cards. So Tops, Panini, if you're listening, come on. Um, I just, I think even with me, movies and, I mean, we're grading VHS tapes now. Where's going to be grading CDs and 8-tracks and all of those kinds of things? <laughs> Yeah, it's that's I that's I mean you make a great point. We laugh now, but you know, we we were laughing 8 months ago with with the things that we're doing now. And and I will exactly. just say this cuz I we we talked about it very briefly and I mentioned it and I I feel bad because I didn't fact, you know, I didn't check the name this time cuz I couldn't remember the name last time, but there is actually a card company um that is starting and they are releasing their first uh set and it or their first like set and it's the weekend uh the musician that some of you may know yep. and yep. the artist for that 
uh jay you may be familiar the artist for that is the same artist that did the the artist like the card art is the same person who worked on exquisite for basketball back in the day so uh and the card stocks are going to be pretty thick uh i think 130 point if i remember correctly it's going to be there's only gonna be like 11 autographs of him in the product um a lot of numbered cards things like that a limited release i think it might already be sold out if i remember it already can't like put got put on the market and got sold out so we're already kind of seeing that transition with another company um you know panini and talks may go after and try to buy that company they may try to get different you know each musician is their own they have their own licenses and stuff like that so they don't have to necessarily go after that company necessarily for anything but like they it's already starting and i think once that actually releases and these cards come out and then they announce their second set it's going to start a snowball that you know everyone's we see it happening when f1 came out when everything's been coming out lately we're going to see a snowball of investors that are going to jump on it and it's going to raise the price for the true fans that really want it and it's going to be just kind of a shit show for people who want to get their hands on especially such a limited product and then doing it one at a time uh with it just being the weekend you know who's next uh do they start incorporating multiple artists into one product and then just kind of seeing where it goes up uh, on from there so i'm interested to see what happens in that and as I alluded to F1 previously, uh, I want to talk about more international markets uh, and kind of the alternative uh, opportunities in F1. I just started watching Drive to Survive, uh, oh, a couple yeah. of episodes here Great and there. Great show. Great show. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Katie has watched a few with me and uh, we're going to definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to finish it out uh, probably in the next couple of weeks if we watch as many as we did last time so i kind of want to talk to this is definitely going gearing towards tyler's alley because tyler is has quite the f1 collection if you know uh wolverines underscore collector 80 on instagram you've seen all of his beautiful f1 cards i'm curious of to where you see like f1 going and kind of the public demands for these secondary sports cards i know we've talked about tcg movies and music and such uh time to talk about like secondary sports as in f1 uh and right now i guess i wouldn't like i would by no means consider soccer a secondary sport but we are seeing the international market trends with soccer and it now becoming uh a primary market in the hobby also with alternate or secondary markets i would also throw in ufc and maybe wwe and absolutely yeah you're right so on the f1 side of things like for example my ferrari logo rainbow that i've done I have bought in countries Canada, Australia, Germany, and England, and Taiwan so far. So we wow. have four different continents just for Mr. one rainbow. So I, my man is Mister Worldwide over here it, for it, <laughs> for, for <laughs> cards. It's it kind of extraordinary. It's kind of you get to talk to some different people. Um, so cool. Very. I just. It's an international sport. I know it's one of the top five largest in the world. So I, I know that is why a lot of people have drawn to the hobby. Um, certainly Netflix has helped a ton kind of bring right. it in the U.S. But also this season has been very good with the battle between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. So it's kind of it's yes. going to be decided next week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think with all the attention on the new shiny stuff that's overshadowing all the legends before um, yes. your Absolutely. Michael Schumacher, your Arianson Senna, mm-hmm. all of them guys that paved the way for now they're overshadowed. So like I've been picking up what I can just because you can talk about all the new shiny cards you want, but 
there's legends and I hope tops can bring them in the product. And I think that'd be really cool, right. but we'll see how that goes. Um, hopefully there's supposed to be a couple releases here in the next couple months. So that'll be fun, but there's a lot of untapped market. And even with F1, you can throw in UFC is a very international sport. So I, I personally have no, I, I'm just not really into F or UFC. So like I don't own any cards, but like I'm very familiar with like who the top people are, when fights are, and there's a lot of potential in that as well. Jay, have you gotten into? I know you said you watched Drive to Survive. Have you gotten into F1 at all? Is it interest you, or is it kind of just something, or any second, you know, any alternative things like UFC catching your eye lately? I am interested, uh, but I was priced out unfortunately so uh when i saw uh f1 tops chrome sapphire hobby box going for 600 bucks uh i was saving up cash to pick one up and by the time i had enough cash it was already a thousand bucks so i needed to raise another 400 bucks and then when i got to thousand bucks it was already thousand and five hundred bucks <laughs> now it's two thousand dollars oh box, so man I'm, I'm 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 priced out right now yeah. yeah and i understand that and and that's like i think that that is a a, a little bit of you make a great point because it is such a limited product right now. Like we only have what we have: Topps Chrome and Topps Chrome Sapphire, and like there may be Topps Dynasty. Topps and, and, and Dynasty. Then you throw yes, in which Tops which now, if, right. if you're top if you're priced out of Topps Chrome, you're top priced out of Topps Dynasty for sure. Yep. So like you don't really have any any F1 product for that is like low end or even mid end really. Like obviously you can go get some base and and some like maybe insert stuff for pretty cheap. But like getting a Lewis Lewis Hamilton. Uh, unless you're getting an insert or like a refract, like it's not like you're not getting like the base rookie card of him. You kind of a lot of lot of people are priced out on those, you know, depending on their budget. So F1 is such a growing sport. There's almost not enough of it to really go around for everyone right now. Uh, whereas soccer, you know, they've had quite a, the first year, a couple of years where U.S. Uh, you know, the U.S. started really paying attention to soccer. His product's been around, you know, 2014 and stuff when people still weren't buying. Uh, a lot of it, you know, Panini came out with uh, the World Cup stuff in 2014 that's really taken off. And some people made a lot of money doing, uh, you know, just sitting on that stuff. Um, I collect Clint Dempsey from that product. Uh, he was in it for Team USA. Uh, actually, a local to me. Grew up in the, ta- in the town that uh, my wife is hey, from. Hey, now, that, I'll say that's my town, not your town. I mean, it's local to me. Close <laughs> enough. But uh, so, like, you're seeing a lot of these people that are starting to jump on soccer and there's enough for that to go around i'm kind of curious onto your thoughts do you think that do are you worried that tops or panini is going to see something doing well and start just printing the hell out of it like they kind of have the trend to do with some of these other sports or do you think f1 is going to be a little bit more uh held back uh with kind of like the release calendar and everything going forward um i mean the the cell sheets have already been put out for the newest chrome um f1 because it's supposed to release around this time, but it's been pushed back. There's so many more parallels. They're doing um, a retail version as well, so they're certainly increasing production a lot. So I think they're going to try to get as much money as they can out of it. Sounds to... like basketball. What <laughs> happened to basketball? Right. Yeah, and I think that from a collector's perspective, it's like I I don't worry. So it doesn't bother me from a collector's perspective if things get printed heavily because i'm it makes me happy as a collector that everyone's getting it but the problems that you see is everyone bitches about it you know like because uh, we're we're now in a 75 percent investment 25 percent hobby 
uh, hobby, you know, like 25% the people that just enjoy collecting. And some people, you know, like myself, and, and like I always say, pretty much everybody that collects also invests. Uh, I feel like you would be hard to say that there's any just pure collectors that don't sell their stuff and don't watch the market and things like that. It's an but expensive hobby. It is an expensive hobby and you have to pay for nice things. Exactly. So you need people, you know, you need stuff that you need to be able to sell. So you see a lot of these people, they get frustrated about like base cards aren't worth anything. And I think the real frustration is coming. Like obviously hobby is getting very expensive, uh, especially Jay, you know, in basketball is uh, hobby boxes or, you know, prism are going through the roof way, way more than like five years ago, which is, is kind of a shame because you can't really, you price so many people out of hobby boxes and they're having to kind of, get the retail stuff and even if they're getting the retail stuff they're basically paying old school hobby prices for a retail box so i feel like a lot of people are that's where their frustration is coming from is the people that are already buying on the secondary market and getting base cards that are selling for two dollars because there's so much of it out there and i think that i i haven't ripped the basketball hobby box since 2019 guys yeah and that's i got got priced out two years ago (laughs) (laughs) i've never been someone that rips a lot but I, you know, I've seen a lot of my friends that enjoy ripping, you know, go, they, they would buy hobby boxes and things. And now they rip a lot of like retail things here and there. Um, and which is great because usually it, it's when they find it. And that's awesome that they don't have to pay the secondary market prices. Um, but I, but I finding it, finding it is tough. It's very tough these days. Katie knows I go to the Walmart section every time. Uh, we talked about this in the last episode. I I'm there as soon as we walk into Walmart, I'm at the card aisle uh usually disappointed i'll just leave with some like mags maybe but which i don't know if you guys know i don't know if you guys have ever went to check but they're actually selling uh mags at walmart for usually a pack of five for like 10 bucks which is under market right now if you ever need mags or anything i i I don't know which targets walmart's you guys go to but every time i go it's it's just cleaned out nothing there you're in cali you're you're in a pretty big city though right you're next to bullpen la so you're you're like in a pretty big area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's going to be Is white. Oh, pro- okay. Probably. Yeah, probably. Cause I, I'm in a, I'm in like a, a, a pretty big hub of my area, but like, I don't think that there's a ton of card collectors around gotcha. sitting okay. as much. I think that being in the big area, especially, you know, a bunch of younger people that are trying to make a dollar here and there, you're going to, you're competing with so many more people for that product. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll always give you the hookup if you need mags, I promise. <laughs> I find them from time to time here there to sit me up. But uh yeah, problem and solved, thank you. Problem problem <laughs> solved for you, brother. I got you. Uh so I, I just wanted to kind of finish on my ending thoughts with F1 and then we'll kind of get into my QA with you guys where I get to answer uh ask you guys some fun questions. Um the, what do you guys think? Is there another market out there in sports that isn't tapped? Like what is the next big thing? in sports that's something that isn't really blown up yet what are you guys thinking or is there anything that can really pop off well since i'm a Yu-Gi-Oh collector i think it's Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> i'm thinking i'm thinking more from like a like a sports perspective like you know f1 is oh, kind sports. of the yeah like f1's kind of the the new hot sports thing that everyone like we had soccer kind of like what 12, 12 months ago it, more like two years ago soccer was starting to get really big maybe a year and a half uh, and now F1 has kind of been the thing this year. Like, what what do we have next? I know boxing is kind of getting in there. Uh, some people are doing WWE. I don't. I personally don't think it. Um, there's a couple other options. I'm curious to see what y'all think. Didn't we? 
I think we're pretty much covered now, aren't we? I mean, tennis was tennis was get, picking up some heat, but now it kind of died down. Mm-hmm. And tennis is kind of like the goats, I think. Is like there's I don't think there's any names right now besides like Osta, what, Williams and yeah, right? like some of those people still playing, but like the goats, like the people that have been around for a while, are kind of what everyone goes after. I had a nice Roger Federer like rookie card autographed. I'm kind of upset I got rid of it. I don't know why I did really. I think I got a good deal on it at the time. Um, but, you know, things like that, like I kind of wish I held because mm. you, you could be right. Could It could come forward. I, I don't know. I got yeah. an idea. What do you think? Okay. So the hobby's getting expensive, right? What sport do old men watch? Golf. Bowling. Oh, we're two golf. different ways. Like, <laughs> you're not wrong. And golf actually did just release a product. So with golf, I don't know if they're not doing it right. I think that it's just genuinely there's not as huge of a market because with golf, like it's really hard to pick favorites. Um, you have like you're like I feel like most people go to the consensus like top five maybe. If you're really into golf, maybe there's a couple of dark horses that you really go after. Um, but golf has been like really reserved for like Mickelson, Arnold Palmer, Tiger, Tiger Woods. Woods. Yeah, yeah, like Tiger Woods being Hi- the big Hi- one. Tiger Woods saw a peak and then it dropped. Right, especially in those like rookie cards where those prices went mm-hmm. really insane for that for that one rookie card and then dropped so quickly as well. Um, but they had some golf releases. Uh, I I don't think they did it wrong. The product I don't think was bad. I just think that. They, I think they did a, like for us for a golf collector. I feel like the product is great, especially for secondary market because I'm sure you can get quite a bit of it cheap. From a collector's perspective, I'm sure that the go- the true golf fans are loving, you know, are loving the way that you know the golf relief release was. Maybe they're not buying it because of the price point, but secondary market's been good to them if they, you know, if they like some of the middle tier guys. Uh, but golf is an international market. A lot of overseas golfers, probably more so than you know the U.S. at this point. So you really do make a good point. Uh, it's just, I think the market's going to have to catch up on it. And it's so hard. Like there's, I know quite a few young people that are into golf, but generally like, it's not something that anyone's sitting down and watching and getting engaged. Uh, in. It. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, and I, yeah, yeah, I, never I, golf. I have never sat down and watched golf either. I just thought it'd be an untapped market no absolutely and you know you make a fantastic point though like we we were just talking about how the last two big markets that have jumped in have been international markets and golf is really i think the one big international market you know as far as like how big golf really is um i just don't know if like i think cards is gearing towards that younger audience currently like they're like all the people kind of probably 18 to 35 range and I'm not sure if that crowd's quite ready on it. <laughs> Do you have any 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 thoughts on on it, Tyler? I could see growth in maybe hockey. Mm. I like hockey a lot. Um, yeah. I like hockey. Just kind of growing in Michigan and the cold and Detroit <laughs> Red Wings have been been a pretty good team most of my life. Yeah. Um, but I just don't know how hockey is viewed in say Arizona, Texas. Or, Yep, Texas or California, like right, or now Seattle, and I don't really know if people really care or if it's just kind of fun to just see the quick and the action involved. So, so, and you make a good point because, like, that's the one sport that I think about as well. Um, but like when you think about it as well, what you said at the end there kind of stands out to me. Like, you're not sure if people really care, but when you think about it, twelve months ago, who cared about F1? You know, 
everyone exactly. you, you mentioned f1 and everyone's like i ah, like i don't want to get up Ooh. and watch an f1 you know i don't want to get up and do that that's boring and while like i it's kind of comparing apples to oranges f1 is badass to watch watching those cards go so fast it's entertaining to watch uh there's a lot of charisma there i kind of see like it's not the one thing that i i really like as far as a hobby perspective of the sports that hasn't taken off yet uh is nascar personally and yeah i think that nascar yeah we're talking about racing and i think that nascar has the opportunity like i don't think it's going to be the next big thing i think that it will see a tick in the next year or two because i think some of the nascar like goats are pretty underrated undervalued uh jimmy johnson dale earnhardt you can still get dale earnhardt autos pretty pretty cheap like they're getting higher um dale earnhardt jr like so like i'm not sure how familiar you are jay with it but it's kind of like f1 where tyler mentioned like all the old school goats gaining value in f1 i think nascar might see an uptick in kind of the old school names and because the way that i think about nascar growing as i someone who grew up watching it i don't really care about the new people because to me it's so like there's it just the rivalry i don't think it's the same as it was back in the day when dale earnhardt was you know the intimidator and it was like rusty wallace and dale earnhardt were going at it and like you there were these storylines that you see in f1 today it's not there in nascar currently katie i i like our nascar card that's an actual piece of the car metal i think that makes it so cool that's cool have a piece of the car it's so unique Absolutely. And that and that spins into kind of what I like, you know, not necessarily a topic of discussion, but my thoughts on the way that NASCAR does their hobby stuff right now. Like, Jay, I'm not you. Are you in at all familiar with NASCAR cards? or anything? I know what it is. Uh, I've, I've seen cards of it, but not really but not, like nothing aware you're, of yeah. the market. Yep. So with NASCAR, it's it's to me, I love picking up NASCAR stuff. I haven't lately. It's kind of like if I have, you know, I'll peruse eBay because I'm a degenerate and I like <laughs> to grab things that I don't need sometimes. Uh, and sometimes I'll grab a NASCAR card. But the way that NASCAR works is night. Like I would venture to say 90% of the things in NASCAR cards, relics are race used. Either they wore the material, it's sheet metal from the cars, it's, you know, things that have been used in the race, the pit coverings, even some of like the stall, the things that they pull down in front of the drivers, the stall guards. Um, But still, we've like, it's been so consistent as as football, basketball, and, you know, baseball still does well because there's 162 games and getting game worn. They still do a fair job. But I think where basketball and football fail in bringing us game used items nascar has always been there for you know the customer base that really thrives on buying nascar items to continue to feel like they're getting the product that they want at a pretty cheap price point currently so if you're a nascar fan out there i think that this is the perfect time uh or even someone who likes f1 and wants to get into some game used items you know maybe check out nascar and it doesn't have to be the new stuff like just some of the lore uh, of it is really good. I think that there's potential in it, for especially from a U.S. market. It's not going to be an international market by any means. Um, but I think that you might find, like, if you're missing out and you're really against, like, the player-worn stuff uh, or you really want something kind of cheap to rip and you like cars, you like racing, it's a product I think that's going to take off at least a little bit more in the next couple of years uh, when people, you know, are looking for that next big thing. How much is an NT box right now? 
Oh, I would have to probably look for you, but I, I'd, I'd venture to bet. I'll look it up right now. National Treasures. Treasures. I'm guessing like, less than 500 a box. What, do you, what are you guessing, Jay? 300? $500 and $300 guess. You can get a box currently of National Treasures 2020 for $360 shipped. Nice. So right That's in between what you were saying. Which is very accessible, and you get great items. Like if you watch a break or two, like you get some awesome items. Booklets are nice. I had a the the card that Katie was referring to uh, was a National Treasures booklet. Uh, it was driver Kevin Harvick, if you know who that is. Um, it was his autograph on card, which quite a bit of the autos are on card. Uh, and it had a piece of the sheet metal, but the sheet metal was like from a wreck, so it was kind of mangled. It, it had cool. like sticky bit on it. It had like some beat and bang to it. It was kind of like you know you could tell like. It was uh, even like it may have even been a part of the car that had caught on fire in a wreck type of thing. It was kind of like singed a little bit. It was great. It was a fantastic looking card. And I bought it for like 80 bucks, I think, for a piece like that. Like for someone that's a fan, that's so accessible, like something that if you, you know, you're talking about like the equivalent of like heavy grass stains with like mud on it in, in football, you know, type of thing. Which is just what so do, neat. What do to you me. call what do you call that? A, a nasty patch? Nasty patch. Kind of like literally a nasty patch. <laughs> yeah, I think for me with, with NASCAR, for me to jump on, I think I, I would need to know the nuances that goes into all the techniques, uh all right. the yeah. the trainings that go into it. Um because NASCAR is a, a elliptical a loop, right? Mm-hmm. Most most of the tracks are, yeah. There's a couple of like road courses which are like if you don't know what a road course is, it's kind of like F1 where they like have all like it's it's not oh, they like, do have those. It's not a loop. They just have a couple. I think like two or three. I haven't watched mm-hmm. a lot in the last few years, but they had Watkins Glen and in and Sonoma back in the day. But I think they added the Daytona one now mm-hmm. uh, into their like they have like a final. So the racing seasons like I think it's there. I'm doing a lot of this off of past knowledge, so it may have changed a little bit. It's like 36 races roughly. Um, the final 10 races are like if you're in the playoffs uh those are the like everyone races but only like the last like 10 to 12 drivers are in it uh like in the chance to win the championship the way they adjust the standings at the end um and then each now i think the format is like each race like two drivers get eliminated off from uh advancing like advancing to the next round they'll still race but like they're not in for the championship and then by the final race i think it's like two drivers and whoever finishes better type of thing Hmm. it used to be different it used to be different, and I don't really care so much for the format now. I like the old format where it was like just 10 drivers were in the final round, like final 10 races, and then they just raced and whatever points they got. Like someone could be the winner by race eight, which like I think people didn't really like, but it's like who, like if you're driving the best and you do so well in those seven races, like because every when it when it starts the the last 10 races, how it used to work if when it started the last 10 races each driver like even if you were 400 points above like second place they would adjust you back down to where you're only like 20 points above and then like second to third is like 20 to 40 uh and then uh like so on and so forth so it's so close like you had an advantage but it would change here and there so i'm kind of you know i i think it's something to look into uh, at least just kind of get some of the history, see if you like it. If you like F1, maybe you like NASCAR. Uh, the newer stuff, I'm not sure if you like it, but it's just something I used to like. And I think that now that we're approaching running out of sports to really 
enjoy. It's a product that has so much accessibility and like there's already so much of it out there that you can go right now and buy it. You don't have to wait for it to get big like F1 and products to release. Something you could really jump on now. Um, so just something to look at for someone who's maybe looking for something that they're you know trying to get passionate about or enjoy. And it's all race used, which is neat. So anyways, we'll jump into the next topic, which is not so much a topic as it is y'all's time to get onto the hot seat. I have four questions for both of you guys today that hopefully you'll enjoy. And um, the way that's going to work, last week I did each person uh, just ran through all the questions, then we went to the next person. I'm going to actually go one question at a time and ask both of you and I'll, you know, we'll, you guys will both go and we'll go to the second question. So the first question, and you don't have to show or anything, just let me know. And the audience, what is your favorite non-sports card in your collection? And we will start with Jay. Non-sports card. Uh, it's my PSA 10 uh, Yu-Gi-Oh card. Um, it's like a case hit. It's okay. a case hit. Uh, it's a Starlight Rare parallel okay. of a card. From, from like what year? What set? This is from 2019 uh, Rising Rampage. Uh, it, it's one of the most uh, popular characters in the game. Uh, because it's a case hit and it's a PSA 10, it's very rare. Uh, there's not a lot of them out there in the market. Um, and, and it's a first edition too. Wow. So the thing about yeah, so the, the thing about Yu-Gi-Oh that's different from uh, Pokemon is they build in that first edition rarity in it, and then they uh, release unlimited versions later on. Um, okay. And then they also have uh, like a specific rarity levels like Starlights that's case hit, where in Pokemon they don't have anything like that. Okay. Right. That's cool. Um, so I mean that's my uh, non-sports favorite card in my collection right now. So what what was the character that that, that card was again? Appaloosa. Oh, huh, that's cool. My favorite character is like the Dark Magician. I thought I always thought that character was dope because I used to I would get some as a kid. I don't think there was anything mm -hmm. great when I you know when I was getting it, but I remember having one and just being like this is just the coolest thing to me. That's one of the OG characters. Yep. Yeah, I have a couple of like non first edition early ones, hollows that I got from a friend, and I'm just kind of sitting on them because I think they're so cool. Yeah, so super cool. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. And so I'll go to you, Tyler, now since you've had a second. What is your favorite non sports card in your collection? Um, I want to throw in my favorite Yu-Gi-Oh is uh, Time Wizard. I like the Metal Time Raiders Wizard, set. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, my favorite non sport card i think would be um 1995 panini smash hits uh nirvana so they're one of my favorite bands growing up cool. so i That's picked cool. one couple of them cards and yeah it's like, like it's, they, it's music i like that you guys have like two different and i'm gonna try to like if we have some time i'm gonna try to answer some of these questions myself as well because you know i think it'd be fun my favorite non-sports card right now there i have quite a few that i would put but one of my favorites is i'm a big fan of the show ncis i've watched it probably two or three times through i actually it was one of the first things me and my my wife did when we were dating uh i just i don't know why i always like the show i think it's cool um i have a the character who plays gibbs is mark Harmon. Uh, been in quite a few mm -hmm. shows he has a card in 1991 like a night it's i guess it's not really a sports it's a sports card but it's not a sports card uh, it's like 1991 like a mets minor league card but it's him in like a charity event it's like his rookie card and there's only like i want to say there's only like three or four bgs nine fives and i have one of them 
which is like one of my favorite cards that I have because it's so it's a paper card, so it's condition sensitive, and I don't know why I just think it's so neat. Uh, we'll go into the second question, which is following the non-sports theme. A dream item that you wish that you owned. Any item. Any item, like a like a dream PC item, like a autograph of somebody that you want, a Pokemon card that you really would like, a Grail card for you that you don't own that you wish you owned. And we'll start with Tyler on this one. Two thousand playoff contenders, Tom Brady autograph. The no- the like I, the foil one. No, not the championship. I mean, if I had to like, ask, I, if, if, for if, free, if I had to be a beggar. Um, <laughs> yep. That card, I've always wanted one. Um, I regretfully sold a couple of my Tom Brady autographs I used to have, but like that's the pinnacle of Tom Brady cards, especially rookie yeah. autographs. So, so, Ty, so you being a a Michigan, you know, a Michigan fan, I'm obviously sure being a huge Tom Brady fan goes alongside with it. Huh? Yeah, I mean, it, it even when I was like younger, just like you like, I've always liked and rooted for Michigan alumni in the NFL, regardless of the team that they played for. So Tom right. Brady was certainly number one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's easy choice. See, but it's so funny because it's like, how close was Tom to just being like, if he it, imagine if Tom wasn't who Tom Brady was today, would you pick up his cards as like a Michigan alumni? Even actually, yes. Um, really? I well, one time I was kind of collecting like every single player. I kind of awesome. weaved off, like kind of. Um, not had so many of their cars, but yeah, I was picking up late undrafted guys, late draft picks that just never panned out in the mid early, like early to mid two thousands. Like I used to just have pick up because I really like Topps Chrome. I phrase Top it like Chrome. a question. I, I phrase it like a question, but like I collect undrafted guys from like my area and stuff. So like yep. hand in hand, same thing. So I, exactly. I, I laugh, but I do the same exact I was thing. About so. to say. We do. <laughs> Half the people I collect are undrafted. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> so we'll pass the question on to Jay. What is your dream item that you wish that you owned? Right now, I think I'll be very happy if I can have my downtown set back from oh, the 2016-17. Yeah, from the 2016-17 studio, it, which was the very first downtown set for basketball. Uh, I sold the whole set about a year and a half ago. Like when like the market was like really popping, I'm assuming it sounds yes. like a year and a half ago. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm sure that the, at least that you made really solid money on that. I know that. So you're collecting the sixteen seventeen set though, or, or did you say you're doing seventeen eighteen? Sixteen seventeen. Yep. So yep. It was, I'm sure it was really hard to give that up. Obviously, with all the progress you made. So yeah, so I need to get it back somehow. He's like, I, I, time to start the grind all over again on that. Yep. Um, my dream item that I wish I owned, and I say this quite often, I may have even said it on the last podcast, the Nile Davis Superfractor uh, from Topps, 2013 Topps Chrome. I collected Nile Davis kind of just because I wanted to collect somebody back when I started in 2013, and he was a rookie with the Chiefs, uh, and I always have loved running backs, you know, so it kind of just kind of, it fell into my lap, like perfect storm. Uh, I think he's a cool guy. Uh, just, you know, I, I, I kind of went through the Chiefs class and, and saw... I. I Apparently skipped over Travis Kelsey in the process. Don't know what happened with that That's one. My could, favorite. Could yeah, Katie's favorite player. I I skipped over collecting eight years ago. Apparently, um, but I have never been able to find the superfractor. I actually have a uh, funny story. I I have three of the 
Topps Chrome printing plates coming in from that set. And I just found the fourth on COMC as well. So I will have all four of the Chrome plates and the entire, uh, the one of one, uh, like the sparkle paper and every other card for that set besides the Super Fracture. So if you ever see that card, please hit me up. But that is by far like my dream card that I would love. Besides like maybe the Ross Ollendorf uh, Super Fracture, which probably probably is second this a fiddle football well. player nile davis yes it is oh okay was it was it, is he famous to me yeah <laughs> to, it's your pc gotcha okay yeah yeah it's okay. he, he's not like uh he yeah he's that that was like how i really grew my instagram page back in the day um i i grew quite a bit of a following because of the cool nile stuff that i had because i was able to buy quite a bit of it like you know he he was in like 2013 for sure he was at the premiere so he had a ton of product I was able to get a lot of really nice looking like one of ones. Um, but I've been working my way back into getting Nile stuff uh, quite a bit. So that's why you may see me post quite a bit of my pickups. Uh, just a passion I have in the hobby, you know, going back to my roots. I feel like I would not be who I am today without those, you know, cards from back in the day. So to be able to go back and get some of them and actually reacquire some of them is just a really neat thing to me. And part of why I love the, ho- uh, the hobby so much. Uh, how, we'll far get to the, is, uh, how far does Instagram go back? I started using it in 2019. Uh, 20, 18. like maybe 2011, maybe? 2011? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's been a wow. while, yeah. I feel like a newbie here. That was like 7th or 8th grade for me. I remember yeah. having Instagram then. I for sure know it was like, it, it was for sure before 2013 because I started there, but I think like yeah. even 2012, yeah. I had an Instagram. So maybe 2011 was like, Kind of around oh. the time like Twitter was getting going, right? Maybe That's a couple crazy. years after Twitter. Yep. I didn't yeah. know Instagram was that old. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 still unique though in its own way, you know, with the way that the platform works. I'm glad that the card community has thrived, or I mean, depending on who you ask, I guess has thrived uh, through all these years with it. So I have nice, one nice. more question with you guys, and then we'll wrap up. And I appreciate you guys letting me ramble on for so much. This follows in, and I've already had this question, so it follows in perfectly. What is your favorite platform to buy and sell and do business on in the card community, or maybe just interact with? And this could not just be like a social media platform. Uh, it could be, you know, eBay. Uh, it could be a blog that you like, or maybe a chat, like a, uh, you know, maybe uh, what do they call it? Some of the forums that you see online, things like that. And we will start with Jay on this one. I mean, by far. For me, it's it's the in-person local trade shows. There's nothing shows. like it. In-person is is the best. Uh, if if I don't have that, I go to Facebook uh, groups or eBay. Uh, I sell stuff on Instagram, but meeting people face to face and just talk and you know and see what collections they they like they enjoy and make connections. It's the best way to go for me. That's a great answer. Yeah. And and I feel like I agree with you on that. Like I, I actually just got back from uh, a Dallas card show today. I drove all the way back to make it for this podcast today. Um, and I think that, you know, while this card show was a little slower than normal, like all the card, most of the card shows that I go to, I leave either meeting some awesome people or just getting some cool things or seeing cool things that I wouldn't have otherwise seen. And I just think that's really neat. Like to be able to connect with people, it, the hobby is getting more mainstream, but you still meet some really great people that you know, truly care about it and truly care about, you know, what, you know, your care about you and the hobby and things like that. And uh, I've been able to take Katie to quite a few of these. And I think that she's enjoyed it as well. I, I will add that it is like a community. We've met people and we see them at shows and they 
they ask about us, they know who I yeah. collect and I, it's just really sweet and cool to know that, um, there's that community here. So I agree in person is really special. And weirdly enough, I've been in the community for, for eight years and people know more what, about what she collects than, than what I, <laughs> <laughs> what I collect. Jay, eight years. Got- wow. To that point, uh, I do appreciate Instagram a lot, uh, because the people that I met on Instagram, so you know how I collect 2016-17 studio product? And yeah. just a few weeks ago, I was two cards away from completing my base, 300-card uh, base set. And uh, it wasn't anywhere on eBay. I couldn't find it. Uh, so I, I posted a story. Hey, I'm looking for these two cards. If you have them, DM me. And this, car, uh, this guy messages me, hey, I have those. Wow. I'm like, what? Thank you, man. I'll get them right now. Thank you so yeah. much. And I completed my set uh, a few weeks ago. That's awesome. It's stuff like that. Like it's just so awesome. Like every day, there's something like that in the hobby where like people are just helping making you connections, helping yep. you out. Like yep. you know, I couldn't even tell you how many times somebody has gone out of their way to help me with you know getting something that I've really wanted, or or even somebody that maybe not so willing to sell something they have that I really like want for maybe my now collection or something like that. Like people are willing to kind of just look past maybe like okay this is going to sit in my box but i know someone's going to enjoy it you know mm-hmm. a lot more in their collection and, and things like that and i think that that's just such sure. a neat a neat aspect that you you know you can't really get in a lot of other uh like spaces such as like the you know you shoe, you know shoe collectors and stuff like that and like some of these other forms of like uh mass groups that have their niche you know niche hobbies i think the card community is, stands alone in like there've been so many great people and I'm sure that, you know, obviously each community has their own group of great people. Um, but I've just been overwhelmed with support for eight years and I'm sure you guys feel the same way. Uh, and it's just amazing. The, the, the journey, I can't, it, it, it I feel like kind of stunned saying it cause it's like, it's such an amazing platform for people that feel like they're, you know, everyday lives. Nobody knows what they're talking about with sports cards. So you get online and you have that access and social media has been a great, uh, a great source of that for probably about 10, you know, longer than 10 years, but social media in the past 10 years has made it so accessible for everyone to kind of stay in contact with everyone. Uh, so I'll jump over to Tyler now with what is your favorite platform to buy and sell on? Uh, one point before that, if anyone has the 2013 Superfactor Denard Robinson autograph <laughs> and base, let me know and I'll buy that. Um, <laughs> My favorite platform all day to buy is eBay. Um, right. It's just the biggest market. It's it's a no-brainer, but I feel like I've made the most friends that I've actually met in like real life at card shows or at the National through Instagram. Um, Facebook is up there as well, but it's just a different demographic, different kind of people. But like Instagram is just it's it's unique in its concept that I've been able to grow more on myself, like meeting niches of collectors like a specific um fortnite collectors which we didn't even get to talk about fortnite um yeah we didn't formula one collectors pokemon collectors i've been able to kind of meet and chat with them that i likely wouldn't have been elsewhere and you do you are correct we really didn't get to talk about fortnite too much in this episode i know that we were uh i know that we were busy we can we could talk about it a little bit i don't think i had anything necessarily set up but um i know that you obviously and i have talked quite a bit about fortnite 
I have a background in actually playing the game semi, not like, I didn't ever play the game like professionally. I played in a lot of like really big scrims with like some really big players back in the day. I just have a, a gaming background where I, you know, I've played competitive, competitively in FPS and third person pretty, you know, frequently up in my college days. Um, so I like fell in love with the cards from a player perspective of someone who really had a couple of years of his life that was, you know, Fortnite kind of changed my life. Uh, and I know so many kids that grow up playing Fortnite. It's like our Call of Duty now uh, for those of us that play video games. Or, you mm -hmm. know, some people maybe don't play Call of Duty, but that's kind of the most general thing that I can think of that a lot of kids having have in common. Where do you see like Pokemon with Series 3 being announced? Uh, where do you see Pokemon ki or uh, Fortnite, Fortnite sorry, going in the next you know year or two? Um. Part of me feels it's a little watered down. Um, there's only so much you can give for Fortnite. But the intellectual property side of Fortnite is huge. The brands that have been involved, heck, yeah. even the end of the season, Dwayne Johnson's now featured. Yeah. And just the potential is there long term. Um, like I'm working on the base or the first first series one series two hollow set myself so like i'm a big fan but like i grew up playing i grew up but i played it a lot i still play it right. so i'm i'm a huge fan of it there and i think 20 years down the road the kids that are playing it now are going to look for the cards and the route and it, that they'll choose it is a very like it, and kind of like how jay was talking about earlier with like you know, you play Yu-Gi-Oh to to play the game, uh, and and Pokemon's kind of a bit of a mix between you play the game and you and you you know collect the cards. This is really a product that you collect the cards. Uh, you yep. know, obviously there is no TCG aspect to it. So I think that like when you look at it from like a, a kid's perspective, it's kind of one of the first product that is like designed to just be something for kids to collect and yep. and build their collection up. And I think that's something like obviously Fortnite is primarily for people that play the game obviously it has reached such a wide audience that you'd be hard pressed to find some people uh at least some people probably ages you know five to twenty that haven't played Fortnite. um you know older people may not fall into that category but you know everyone has experience with it so i think there's quite a bit of a market and we've seen some big sales obviously the chaser like the charizard type card is the black knight card in series yeah. one um jay do you know anything about fortnite as a product have you played the game are you interested in that at all uh how do you feel about it not at all sorry guys <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played fortnite uh no interest in it i've heard of it uh i don't know i i have no input here yeah but... no that's fine no worries. Yeah. And we won't and we won't be too long-winded with this, but I did want to hit I did want to hit on it because uh because I told Tyler we would and because I I did want to talk about it. I I feel really strongly about Fortnite as well. I actually just picked up a uh, an Italy Ice um in for uh for Ghoul Trooper, which was a skin that I used to rock back in the day because uh not to flex, but I had the OG Ghoul Trooper, which was kind of fire. But uh if you don't know, Jade, so like Fortnite is kind of like it, it, it you know it's not a tcg but they have like three different rarities kind of there there's like the or i think there's three so there's like the green rarity which is like the most common stuff uh and then there is a purple rarity which is like the more uncommon stuff that uh you get and then the gold is the highest rarity and i think it's like kind of like select where uh you get so many concourse so many 
courtside, so many like things like that. Like think of it like that. Each box you get only kind of so much uh, that you're guaranteed in a, like a hobby box, I believe. Uh, and the mm-hmm. ices, the ices are like you know, cracked ice, like you would see in most product. And the ices differ based on where they're printed, right? They look different. So there's a Brazil and Italy and a USA. So they all look different. So you can kind of tell by the ices where they're made from. The hollows and stuff you have to kind of look on the back, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, but condition sensitive product pretty much all around especially italy um and the ice shards were only in mega boxes which were a retail product but that is the only way you could get them but it's like the gold standard of the product uh and then of course like the gold the like rare like the gold it's on the back it's got like a little thing the gold ones that are cracked ices are fetching very high that are usa print on like the you know on ebay and things like that um so there's kind of like that hierarchy of like what's good what's not and I don't know how, like, if they keep printing it. Like, I think Series 1 was, it's the F1 effect. I, I, what I assume will become the F1 effect of Series 1 not being so heavily printed, having some very, you know, OG, everyone knows about Fortnite skins. It's going to be kind of the grail of the product. Um, I think sealed wax in forms of, like, not, like, the mega boxes are going for crazy money because that's where you get the ices. But, you know, some of the gravity feeds and stuff are still accessible at a price point to be able to rip. They're good to hold. I think that they're, you know, there's a, there's still a market to be able to get in. Um, but Series 2 and 3, I think, is just going to get too oversaturated. Series 2 already is. And there's not as many great skins because as Fortnite kind of falls a little bit out of uh, the spotlight, you're seeing people engaging less with the skins or already kind of had their favorite skins and things like that. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see where that product goes in the next couple of years. And I did hear, this is the last thing I'll say about Fortnite. I heard from someone today, a dealer say that Michael Jordan signed some type of exclusive contract yes. to do something with Fortnite. Yes. Um, I think a cool gray, cool, cool gray theme, like their cool gray um, Jordans are in there. Interesting. So. so my interest is, is I've heard Fortnite wants to do numbered cards. I've heard series three might have numbered cards. I haven't. I, think I, I haven't heard guarantees, but yeah. What, what is Michael Jordan gonna do in here? Like the shoes, skin shoes. <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah. Yeah, uh, and that's kind of the. So like LeBron is already in the game, like in the game, like he's a character, like he's a he's, he has a skin in the game. I just um, know that there's a Banana Man. That's all. Yeah. There is a Banana Man, Peely. Yeah. Peely. So it's kind of like you know it, it it's like it, it's got a little bit of some Pokemon traits to it you know what the kids like some characters that people you know enjoy that they gravitate towards things like that we've seen peely become big uh obviously the ghoul trooper and and the skull trooper because of how rare they were in the game uh kind of like a status symbol type of thing and then like black knight just being the series one uh skin that quite a few people have but like you know it's kind of become a status symbol of fortnite as well so just interested to see what happens and just kind of the thing to look for like if michael jordan gets included that may transition into like some of the basketball audience coming in. We could see a little bit more of a wave. Just some things to look about. That's what this podcast was today. It's talking about alternative collecting and just things that you may not know about, things Jay may not have heard about, things Tyler may not have heard about, and so forth. So I thank you guys so much for coming, especially want to thank my guests for stopping by, both Tyler and Jay. You guys have been great, and it's been great thank to you. pick y'all's brains and figure out new things in the hobby. Hopefully y'all had a great time today. I appreciate it. I certainly did. I did. Yep. I enjoyed it a lot and I learned a lot. 
Yeah, and, and that's the whole point of the podcast. I hope that those of you watching, you know, take some things from this and do some research. Don't be afraid to ask me. I'm on Instagram, muffin underscore sports underscore cards uh, or the other two. I'll shout out their handles real quick. Tyler is Wolverines underscore collector 80 and Jay is studio underscore collector. Feel free to reach out to any of us about any questions about the episode. Hopefully you guys will go back and watch episode one if you haven't already. And for those of you that have watched both episodes, thank you so much for stopping by. I hope you guys stay tuned for episode three. Not sure what we'll talk about yet, but I am so, so excited. As for me, I've been Tud and with my card wife, Katie, and I will see you guys in the next one. Peace.